This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. impact has the Ukraine war with Russia had on the world and what does the future hold? This is the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast and Nighttime News Blast today. Joining me is Cam Harless, host of the Mad Ones podcast. Cam, good to see you. Cam was showing me his new weapons prior to the show, so that's always fun. Uh, oh, yeah. Show, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is actually the gun that Alec Baldwin used to shoot his co-worker. And, and you got so. it at a pawn shop. He must have left it there Hunter Biden yeah, he- style. Right, I had to wipe off his fingerprints, but that's fine. That's just that's right, that's right. that's very low maintenance. So right, it'll help him get off, and, and we can uh, enjoy his movies, and we can enjoy the movie Rust, which I'm sure he'll go back to work on in <laughs> I'm the future. Sure. <laughs> so, what I want to talk about today is I, I want to play some clips for you all from a Chatham House panel discussion that I watched yesterday. I watched it live, actually. Me and eleven other people watched it live. But they said some pretty interesting things, to say the least. But it's some pretty heavy stuff, so or it's a heavy subject anyway. So before that, I want to start with something a little more lighthearted and quick that I thought was really funny. It's about Tiger Woods. And I saw the story. beat him up again no, with a, a nine iron? No, he's, uh, he, that was years ago, and he's reformed himself a little bit. And he, he's. He's found favor in some portions of the country because of his resurgence. And this story from the AP, Tiger Woods had some explaining to do Friday about a chauvinist prank he played on Justin Thomas in the Genesis Invitational. The fact that they call this chauvinist and they don't think that this type of stuff happens in sports all the time. What, what just, kind of chauvinism? I know. You're gonna, I'm going to tell you what kind of chauvinism it is. It says, <laughs> in his return to elite competition for the first time in seven months, Woods caused quite a buzz in the opening round for all the wrong reasons. It started when he ripped a 323-yard drive some 10 yards longer than the 29-year-old Thomas. Walking off the tee, Woods discreetly put something in Thomas's hand, which Thomas then tossed to the ground when he realized what it was, which was a tampon. <laughs> Just... <laughs> The article goes on to, to explain the joke to us, to remind him that Woods hit the ball further than he did. Woods laughed and put his arm around Thomas, and later Woods said it was supposed to be all fun and games, and obviously it hasn't turned out that way because people were getting pissed at him. 
would say, he said, if it offended anybody in any way, shape, or form, I'm sorry, it wasn't intended to be that way. It was just, we play some pranks on one another all the time, and virally, I think this did not come across that way. And he's right. Anybody who's played sports, who's been in a locker room, locker room talk is real. People play pranks on each other in sports all the time. I have a, a quick video of the, of the incident in question, and you can see here, I'm assuming this person says uh, busted coverage. Yes, Tiger Woods 100% handed Justin <laughs> Thomas a tampon after he outdrove him. And we can watch that clip there. Get how, how far did Justin Thomas hit it? 323, and uh, or he must have hit I 313. Think, I think the, the offense here is uh, Tiger is making the – Bold assertion that a woman could hit a golf ball that far. <laughs> That's so chauvinist of you, Cam. <laughs> so chauvinist of you. Here it is. Sinker stayed on the ground. Gets in. This one's headed a little left. Got a nice bounce. Like your mother. Is not very long at all, so no issues. Pretty good bubble right there. <laughs> <laughs> good friends indeed. Think it stayed on the ground. Okay. That's so offensive. Yeah. Yeah. No, very, very, very (laughs) offensive. I was just checking to make sure we were live on Rockfin. I think there might be a bit of delay. We are. I'll let you know if we're not, if you're not. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, I think my, I don't know, mine's delayed a bit for some reason. But yeah. So that, that is very mild compared to what some people do. If you want to hear about some dirty jokes that, athletes played which this happens you play sports all of the time look up greg maddox dirty and greg maddox who was in the hall of fame one of the best pitchers of all time uh braves pitcher multiple cy youngs is one of the dirtiest people that that ever played the game and you can hear his teammates talking about this the nasty pranks he used to play on them if you think this is chauvinist look look up about greg maddox's pranks well, do you, do you remember um, Jared Leto in Suicide Squad? All of the things that oh he gosh. did to his coworkers. Yeah, he sent condoms to the like used condoms to his uh, fellow. Actually used, but they were like they. He made them look like they were, and like <laughs> he made them look a like dead rat. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, Lacey had the same question I do. Why did he just have one on hand? He was planning it. He was really oh, hoping he, he hit was that ball further. Absolutely planning it. He probably had a handful of them on hand in case he <laughs> wanted to do it again. There's there's probably all kinds of stuff in his pocket. This is what athletes do. They they look yes. forward to do to outmanning the other athlete, so to speak, and then doing something like that to him. It's just it's just how sports work. And I guarantee you, in women's sports, it's the same way. It's how athletes I, I do, are in general. I do want to say that Cornelius said, Are you taking a swing at lady golfers Viking? That's that's me. <laughs> Um, yes. Yeah, because if I took a swing at them, I'd hit them farther than they could hit themselves. Yeah, taking so. a swing at lady golfers, I believe, was the joke <laughs> implied there. Yes, of course. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. 
Okay, so now, now that we got that out of the way, and I have a couple of, of fun things that we'll do after this as well, because we, we can make this fun, but it is a, a heavy subject. So this panel discussion at, at the Chatham House, and the Chatham House is the 100-year-old think tank, the International House of Royal, uh, the Institute of Royal Affairs. I think it's either the mother or the sister, I think it's the mother of the CFR, and it's one of the top like two or three in, influential think tanks in the planet where they get together and they try and create world policy. I always talk who, about the guy, Sir Andrew Who let Wood. these people, who let these people decide that they could have a stupid club that's considered, probably considered a non-profit where they get paid handsomely to just chat about how to destroy the world. To like it, it, Exactly. I, I, I should <laughs> break they? the clip back sometime of Sir Andrew Wood where, where he, and this is the guy who was the mentor uh, of the, Christopher Steele guy, who is the guy who did the Russia dossier back in 2016. This is his mentor. And this is actually the guy who alerted John McCain to the existence of that dossier. They introduce him at this one panel discussion in 2015. They say, and and of course, uh, Andrew Wood. And as people are clapping, he goes, I like to break up countries. And they all have a good laugh over how he likes to break up countries. This is that place. And a lot of these people, their assignments seem to be to break up countries. Now, this panel discussion... And Cam, I can't see a lot of the comments because I'm on one screen today, and so I'm having to switch back and forth. Yeah, so I'll, if you see I'll, stuff, I'll watch for you. I appreciate it. So <laughs> th- this is the title of this panel. Discussion. Do you know who uh, Cecil Rhodes is? Yes. Yes. Okay. Because the right scholar uh, said that he created the Royal Institutes through his secret wills. Oh, did he really? Now that's interesting. I did not know that. That's very interesting. That's what I'm learning. That's what I'm learning from frightening yeah, me right fa- now. Fantastic. And it is, it is frightening me. <laughs> this panel discussion is titled um, Ukraine. Wait, where's the title of it? <laughs> it's about, oh, here it is. How it changed the Russia invasion of Ukraine, how it changed the world. And that's what they're talking about. And they talk about, you know, what's going on now and what they believe might happen in the future. And the first clip is a lady named uh, Orissa Lusevic, which I've played some clips of her before. She's a research fellow and uh, of, it, of the Russia and Eurasia program and head of the Ukraine Forum. And let me get this up on I screen. I can't wait to see her. If, if I recognize her, I think I know who you're talking about. I, I think, well, I'll tell you, she, she, is, uh, um, she has quite an interesting look going on right here. She, she's, she's wearing a white sport coat with a black lapel trim going all the way down. She looks like she's dealing poker in the back room of a Ukraine speakeasy <laughs> with this outfit that she's wearing here. Let me get that up on screen. There she is. Look at that outfit there. She got the haircut of every uh, every girlfriend of every villain in every '80s action movie, except it's usually blonde. There we go. All right. So here in this first clip, <laughs> do you remember her? Because I, I did play. I, I don't know if I remember her, but I I don't like. I already don't like looking at her. <laughs> she is speaking on what she calls the vicious irony of Putin's assault on Ukraine, and here's what she has to say about that. Vicious, vicious. Irony. I thought you said delicious for a second there. Well, I, was like, I think what? they think it's. I think they think it's pretty delicious when you hear what she has to say. There's uh, this vicious irony where Russia is erasing its own imprint uh, in southeast of Ukraine. Where indeed, uh, when Putin spoke today again about gathering of these what he calls uh, historic lands, she said erasing their imprint, erasing Russia's imprint. 
he is erasing uh, everything that has been to a degree um, uh, achieved through uh, colonization of uh, Russia, Russian Empire uh, to southeast of Ukraine. He is destroying cities, Ukrainian cities like Mariupol, Volnovakha, Bakhmut, Nerhodar. He's bombing Dnipro, Kharkiv, uh, where there's ma- mainly Russian-speaking population that, that lives there, that he himself, in his twisted mind, says he, he is um, trying to protect. Uh, and uh, all of this results in a uh, silver lining, kind of uh, the, the bright side of this, where it is actually destroying, uh, putting the nail in the coffin of the Russian world. And uh, what it means is this kind of neo-Soviet nostalgia, historical manipulation of what has happened and why Ukrainian nation doesn't exist. It's this imperial grandeur that Putin very much wants to make his own legacy that is completely collapsing in Ukraine as we speak, as walls and, you know, uh, uh, windows of Ukrainian houses are collapsing. So the silver lining there, putting the nail in the coffin of the Russian world. I'll tell you what my takeaway is there, then we'll see what, uh, what your thoughts are, Cam. It sounds like what she's saying is that by destroying Ukraine and seemingly winning this war, Putin is doing Russia and himself in. And that is, in fact, the silver lining is that destruction of Putin's Russia. Why would that be the silver lining? Well, there's a couple of reasons, mainly because with Ukraine destroyed, these people can now do what they've wanted to do for some time now, which is build Ukraine back better. Uh, I, I mean, th- they should thank Russia for what's going on here because they don't have to do it since they've gotten him to do it. They should thank the families of the dead Ukrainians who've been sacrificed for this. So it, that would seem, to me anyway, that this silver lining she talks about was the purpose all along when it comes to the Great Reset. And I think that that's what this is about right here. What are your thoughts I on just- well, I mean, like, there's there's a lot to to think about with this whole Russia deal. Like, there really there really are people in different areas of Ukraine that want to be a part of Russia, and there was war. There was war. Ukraine was at war. Civil they send war. the Azov Battalion war. after those people, dude. Right. Well, it's it's like so. There's like some legitimate things to think about. What's going on there? Why would Putin do this? And it's. The fact, I think that they've just manipulated him into doing what he did. Yeah, I, I would agree. And you'll, we're going to hear a clip on how they characterize what Putin's perspective is on this uh, here in a second, which is pretty funny. Uh, next, we have this person named Dr. Patricia Lewis, who listened to this title. Uh, actually, this might be the clip I was uh, referring to. Real quick, who, who was it that bombed uh, Maripol? I mean, they say that Russia did, okay. but you know, that, there's a Lacey lot of, there's was a lot of asking, questions. She thought she thought it was. She was saying, wasn't it Zelensky that bombed Maripol? Well, but see, there's questions about that, and there's questions about a lot of the the places where Bucha. They say that Russia came in and just yeah. you know destroyed all these people. When there's counter evidence to suggest it was the Azov Battalion that are yeah. the ones of the Nazis in, in the Ukraine army that went in there and, and did that. So, and this is all going to be written by the winners of the war. Is essentially right. what that is going to boil down. Well, and and that's one of those things is they've already they've the the propaganda is so good they chose the winner. It's like remember yeah. when uh, George W. Bush got in front of the um, what was it called one of those. Uh, 
helicarriers or whatever they're called. Um, yeah, yeah. You're and this is terrorist. Mission accomplished. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mission accomplished. But well, like years before Iraq was done, right? Right. And that's what they've been doing here with yeah, Ukraine. That's well. what I'm saying. Exactly. They, they chose the winner. They're saying mission accomplished. And it seems like every time I hear news from about how they're breaking Russia, Oh man, I just I just remembered that talking about that uh freaking um grenade video. That's what I that's what I got mad about last time we had a yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so and in the, yet I see these things and it's always it's just well, too well planned out for it to be. It, it right, it does feel that way. And like right here this woman was just describing Russia as just destroying Ukraine, yet at the same time, the walls are crumbling, everything's just gone, yet somehow Ukraine is still winning. So, so right. that seems to be a bit contradictory. It, that, but that's the thing. It doesn't line up with what they're saying. There is just no way, unless they have, which they say they don't, right? They just have trainers from other countries. Like, if they don't have people on the ground fighting this war for them, there's no winning it against Russia. Exactly, yeah. And they actually, they get a question about that towards the end here, okay. which is interesting. <laughs> it's, it's interesting to see how they answer it, because it's, in my opinion, it's kind of, it's a lie. And the next woman speaking here, listen to this title. Uh, Dr. Patricia Lewis, this is a moderator, the acting deputy director of Conflict and science and transformation at Chatham House. She's the director of conflict and the science of transformation. So your job is to create conflict and transformation. These titles. So how does a person like and this science. not do that? Yeah, right. The scientific art of transformation with conflict, uh, I guess she focuses on. And she explains very quickly, this is what I was talking about a moment ago, how they view Putin, Putin and his claims that NATO infringement is what caused the war. I mean, Putin does remind us of a gaslighting spouse who says, you know, you made me do it yeah. after he hits his wife. <laughs> a gaslighting spouse who says, you made me do it. I'll be honest with you, the, the, the accent I heard spaz yeah. And I was like, that's kind of hilarious. Yeah. But no, if, they the fact that they have completely at this point dismissed that there are Russian speaking ethnic Russians in within the borders of Ukraine that do not want to be a part of Ukraine. Mm -hmm. They've erased these people from existence they in everyone's minds. Yeah. They talk about that. I didn't pull clips from it, but they do talk about how they. But that's what she's and, saying. Oh, you made yeah. me do this. Right. No, they you, want to eliminate he literally, the Russian They language. literally did. I know. I know. And they, <laughs> it's projection at the, at the of the highest order. And I'm I'm not here to say that, that like Russia or Putin is completely innocent or not a wrongdoer no. in in any ways. I'm saying this stuff is all a gray area of conflict that they don't like to talk yeah. about because they want to divide people uh, along clean, simple lines so well, that they can propagandize them into uh, shaping the world the way that they want to shape it. Well, and that's the thing. It's none of our business, but they've made it our business. Yes, They've shoved they it down Absolutely. our throats, especially with that. It, the, I mean, all of this, but you know, Biden going over there to Ukraine, and, and which was I talked about on the show on Monday. Uh, clearly, the video the, with the sirens. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And they, they the media talking about how that was just some brave thing he did when they 
actually told Russia they were going to be there before they left so they could make sure nothing bad happened. So there's nothing brave about it. It was all protected and safe. And it looked like they were at Disney World in some of these photos. It was just well, a, a joke. But what's incredible about it is these air raid sirens, <laughs> right. regardless yeah. of what they're doing, the people, if they heard them, unless they were prepped in advance, we're doing this as a show. We're doing this as yes, a play. They Absolutely. They would run into their houses. Right, they would just stay Where out there. Where was the panic? <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, there was a CNN reporter who maybe afterwards got a little bit uh, 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 reprimanded who reported uh, somebody on the ground here says they hadn't heard uh, air raid sirens in uh, like a, a really long time. I, can't, I don't know if it was uh, hours or, or days. I think it was days. And then when Biden got here and was walking through the square, all of a sudden air raid sirens. It, it's just, it, it's almost like, they're mocking us with how yeah. obvious this is. Okay. All right. I hope next. someone beats up Zelensky. <laughs> Zelensky is such a joke, and I, I just don't know how anybody he can really take is seriously. But like honestly, if 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 this thing became was a movie, a comedy, like I know that he met him and he talked well about him, but like who could play him better than? Um, What's his name? Uh, ben, ben Stiller. Stiller. Yes. <laughs> Could you imagine Ben Stiller being like, uh, come, come yeah. here, president. Check this out. We're going to do the sirens. Everyone knows that this doesn't mean shit. Yeah, dude. I love that we I love that we uh, were both on Ben Stiller there. That's great. Now, Sean Penn would want to play him, but Sean Penn couldn't do the comedic part as well. That's true. As Ben Stiller could. Sean Penn recently said that um, Zelensky was made for this moment. Yeah, he was. They they made yes. him for this Correct. moment. You're exactly right. Just just like uh, what's her name? Um, AOC was made for Congress in yes. her moment. Yes, she was with her. Just like Obama was crafted story. in a lab for exactly. his moment. Yes, made in some clone lab. Okay, next we have – who is this chick? All right, these people are all doctors here. Now, this is Dr. Leslie Vinjamuri. She's the director and the U.S. – she's the director in the U.S. and the America programs – of the U.S. and America programs at Chatham. And she is giving through this discussion the American perspective, you know, from her – at least what she says the American perspective is. And she's talking here about the tensions between what she calls the West and the rest – and where things could be headed from here, and that is that is that is chauvinistic. That, that's yes, yeah, very West chauvinistic. And the rest, rest is yeah. Western chauvinistic. Absolutely. We all know that the rest, uh, in terms of um, GDP and population, are not with the West on this war. Um, but one of the real challenges is that, you know, the major players in the rest, China and India being two, have said for a very long time that what they cared about was sovereignty. And that does not seem to be um, where they're putting their cards in this particular war, which leads me to believe that the tension and the conflict between the West um, and the rest is much graver um, then we think, because if they're not willing to back um, uh, the UN uh, Security Council resolution um, sanctioning Russia for its invasion of Ukraine, a clear violation of the UN Charter, and clearly speaking to what they've said matters most, then clearly there's a whole lot more going on that isn't just about um, sovereignty. There's fundamental contestation, not only over values, but over who's going to control the globe. 
Wow, over who's going to control the globe, and, and that sounds to me like a threat. Honestly, you, you're either going to the the rest. I mean, that's very belittling and demeaning. Something Hitler might say. Even you're either going to agree to this treaty, or, or it's going to be much graver than you anticipate. That, that's kind of what I took away from that. What's her name again? Her name is Doctor Leslie Van Jamuri. V i n j a m u r i. Um, one thing I was going to say is, did you notice within the way she was talking about it, again, they are asserting the definition of specific words. So they're saying, you know, China, they care about sovereignty, but they're not right. caring about it in this moment because right. dot, dot, dot. But I guarantee you the people in Donbass do care a lot about sovereignty. Uh, right. And, the, and know, so what it's is her definition of sovereignty anyway. It's, it's right. probably and there is, sovereignty. They're asserting that the sovereignty means that Ukraine gets to rule over anyone in that area that uh, around these arbitrary lines, despite them wanting to self-govern or join another state. Absolutely. It's their way or it's a, it's a very grave time in the future. Right. And here she continues – where is that there? Talking about, oh, talking about um, what could happen next after the war, if the war does end. And here's what she has to say. So going forward, I guess just a few quick thoughts. Um, we know that there's a fundamental question of whether unity will be maintained inside the U.S., um, whether unity will be maintained inside of Europe and across Europe. Um, and whether the unity will be maintained um, between the U.S. and Europe. We have a big question mark about how much stronger the alliance will become between China and Russia. If that becomes stronger and the West becomes weaker, um, we are in uh, some pretty grave trouble. And then a final comment, I guess, um, on the U.S. And the big outstanding question is what happens in the U.S. after 2024. I'm on the optimistic side which I think is grounded in evidence. Um, but I recognize that there's a whole lot that that could happen. A week is a long time in politics. But obviously, if there's a, a, a fundamental change of leadership um, and any other number of things that could happen in the U.S., then the whole bet on the question of Western unity will also change. Y unity meaning what? I see that's... That's what I'm. I'm curious about. One, they have 2024 circled, Donald Donald Trump running again, and all of that. And the co comment about the is the unity in the U.S. and with the I think when she said Europe is going to stay together. So is that that to me is uh, I'm wondering if that's this is something that I've thought for a, a while is. The way that Biden, ever since he released that countering domestic terrorism strategy back in 2021, which targets Anybody is saying domestic terrorism is the biggest threat and targets people who literally can corn. That's what they mentioned in the Council on Foreign Relations when talking about this, because those people are a threat to um, democracy. It, 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 they talk about those people, people who question the election, people who question the vaccine, uh, who question the mandates, the same way that they talk about Putin in Russia, that they're anti-democratic, they're threatening our democracy. And I wonder if that comment about will the U.S. stay together is a comment on what are we going to have to do about these people who continue to want to live, be able to live off the land, who continue to not bow down to the mandates of the government. 
are we going to have to treat them the same way as Russia? I don't think it's going to get that extreme, but uh, I, I am wondering if that's what she's referring to in, in a comment like that. Well, she, she also said that she is op- optimistic and she believes what? The, did she say the science or was she like the statistics back her up? She said evidence backed, I think. Evidence, right. Okay. Yeah. But well, like present the opti- evidence then. <laughs> Right. What do you mean optimistic? Do you mean that that Trump won't win? That DeSantis won't win? What do you What do you mean by optimistic? Yeah. I, I think that she means. See, that's a good question. I think she means that whoever wins is going to side with these globalists. I don't know. Okay. I don't know who she's referring to. Like maybe she's referring to DeSantis or another Republican or something. I I, I don't know. But DeSantis seems to. I just in his statements oppose this type of stuff. Yeah, but it's just it, – I'm just realizing like there are – and I'm not realizing I know it, but I'm realizing out loud because I think it's somewhat helpful is all of the words that they're using, they they just assume you understand exactly what they mean by that. Right. And I should tell they, you. They've asserted a definition. Yeah, they, they're talking to each other with those uh, def- definition assertions yeah. because, they, like I said, there was 12 people watching the live stream of this, which I watched. Did you say 12? Yes, 12 people millions. watching it. No, no, 12. There was 12 people watching it. And me, and I was one of them. So me and 11 other people. Well, right and, now, right now, there are 11 people watching on Rockfin. We have just as and, many. And as six <laughs> people. We have more. Yeah, right. We're not trying to dominate the globe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and the video only had 123 views when I went to go cut these clips. So these these things don't get watched much. So they're directing the stuff towards the people who are there and the very few people who are watching online. And yeah, so they assume that they all know what those definitions mean. And all right, next we have, this is uh, Dr. Our, Dr. Patricia Lewis again, our director of conflict. And she asked a question that reflects what I was commenting on a moment ago that, that shows what I think, how they, how they view What's going on in Ukraine? What I think ultimately the end game is. Perhaps, Arisha, we could start with you. What your vision for reconstruction would look like? Is it build back better? Reconstruction. What will reconstruction of Ukraine be? Is it build back better, which is the you- World Economic Forum Klaus Schwab program? But I just need you to know that, like, think about the PTSD that southern americans have when they hear the word reconstruction and and you know what oh god that's a great point dude yeah she should choose see it's funny because she did go on to say that's such a bad term uh admitting because people have like reacted responded like badly to that term in in the u.s anyway and she should have thought about how they might respond to that reconstruction term right but that's what they want because that's what that that's what reconstruction was after the the war between the states the civil war whatever you want to call it the war of northern aggression if you will uh it was an assertion of um sovereignty of taking over an area that didn't want to be controlled by this federal government and it was a sea change and they they History, there's all sorts of stuff. I'm not, I'm not making a stance about who was right, who was wrong. But if you look at the, at the southern United States and you see how they even talk about themselves, you can see how we've been prop- propagandized to hate ourselves. Absolutely. And yeah. that is what they will do in Donbass. Absolutely. And that's a fantastic point. I hadn't thought about that with the reconstruction terminology. God. 
So here is uh, Orisa, the um, the backroom poker dealer from Ukraine, responding. This is part of her response to that reconstruction of Ukraine question. The thinking about the type of Ukraine that must emerge out of this war. I have to stop it there. Look at that belt, which is also just way <laughs> too live. I don't know what that belt, belt looks like. A, a giant pair of brass knuckles to me. Well, it, it honestly, like... I don't know what it is, but it either looks like General Grievous from Star Wars or <laughs> uh, Cthulhu. Yeah, and it was so, Cthulhu from um, H.P. Lovecraft's, like one of the Elder Gods, uh, like kind of a squid face dude. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, this looks Elder Godish. That's all this I'm saying. Interesting outfit. But what, what was it that she just said? Because she, she threw me again. Yeah, I'll take it back. She's talking about the the. Uh, uh, reconstruction. Oh, yeah. The, what? What? Yeah. Go again. Yeah. All right. <laughs> the thinking about the type of Ukraine that must emerge out of this war uh, is is here, and it takes place across government, across uh, business community, across civil society. And what, what is very clear is that um, it will be uh, Ukraine that complies and resembles. Uh, the type of a, a European Union uh, nation that uh, includes green transition, that includes decentralized governments, that includes power to the regions, that also includes quite strong logistics links with the European Union, uh, that includes integration of Ukraine within the U European energy um, uh, system, trade, uh, and uh, something that um, is clear now what makes Ukraine resilient today is something that ukraine wants to build on but but again more and better is digital <laughs> more and better they want to build on more and better instead of building back better the economy is um sorry I, I talked over that because that's actually no, no you're, you're good i'm I just, just i just, I just thought listening. that was funny how she changed that up a little bit i'm just listening to how this woman is essentially describing um brainwashing is a term uh, yes um, but like yeah uh, wash washing away the slavic mind Yep. And in putting Western colonial, really, uh, yeah. values. Yeah, they'll bow down to the new world order is what it sounds like to me. And she's almost done with that. Dawn, but, but again, more and better is digital economy, is um, IT sector. It's um, in addition to its agriculture that is a powerhouse and that actually could drive a lot of growth and um, innovation around that. Uh, Ukraine wants to keep that uh, more modern uh, type economy. And to be honest, Ukrainians um, have a very modernization agenda. We run the survey of civil society organization uh, late November, beginning of December. And most groups say we need to modernize Ukraine, not just rebuild it the way it is. Okay. And that goes this, back to what this I was woman saying is earlier. saying that Ukraine needs to be modernized while she yep. is wearing the same jacket that Indiana Jones wore in 1935 in the Obi Wan Club in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Not Raiders oh. of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom. Yeah, I'm just saying. She also supports an army that the the backbone of that army is uh, Nazis. So also the same people that to... Indiana Jones fought. It's <laughs> like it's like they want more memorabilia, and she got the jacket. I'm jealous of the jacket, but I would never wear it in public. Not in a serious function, anyway. I don't think I'd wear that in public. Uh, so a couple of things from her, her comments there. The focus on the digital economy there is an important thing. So Ukraine, I think it was in 20. 
2019, I think, or 2020, they committed itself to becoming the world's first government entirely digital. It's an e-government, as they call it, meaning everyone's important information is linked to some digital system accessible uh, by the government. And, uh, you know, for the purpose of making things easier for everybody, you know, that ease ease of access. And and we've actually helped this along. Listen to this. This is from the USAID press release. Uh, And they talked about this at Davos also. A U.S.-supported e-government app accelerated the digital transformation of Ukraine. Now Ukraine is working to scale the solution to more countries. And then the article or the press release goes on to say that an award-winning Ukraine e-government app and digital platform supported by the United States is accelerating Ukraine's digital transformation. This is what they're building Ukraine back better to be. Ukraine is a testing ground for many, many things. And they admit this, but it's also a testing ground for the world's first fully digitized e-government. And this is the infrastructure they're going to be building back better to support, which we are also helping them in this as well as, well as the the war. Uh, that That's that's one of the main focuses of, of this new build back better in, in Ukraine that they're, they're going for. All right. Next we have, who's talking next? Next we have this person whose name is, I guess, Creon, not Creon, but C-R-E-O-N, <laughs> Butler who is the research uh, director of trade and, and investment and of new governance models. This guy's the research director of new governance models here and the director of the global economy and finance programs at, um, at Chatham House. He answers a question very quickly that I- I've been curious as to what the answer to this question is for quite some time now, which is how much money we've actually given to Ukraine. It's surprisingly difficult to find this exact number published anywhere, but he says what I guess he thinks it is. Western spending is already 140 billion since um, since the war began. That's both military and um, uh, economic and other support. 50 percent of that is from the U.S. 140 billion or yeah, 140 billion with 50 percent coming from the U.S. And I got to say, I thought we had spent a lot more. You know, we've only given them 70 billion, according to this guy. So oh. I think we need to stop shortchanging them. Uh, yeah, I think it's probably bull as well. I also don't believe that um, the freaking rest of the the world gave matched America. Right, right. I don't believe that. It used to be the talking point used to be that we we've given like eighty five or ninety percent of it, and now they're yeah. saying that it's been half and half. Fifty fifty bull crap. Yeah, which is like funny to me when they when Biden did his little staged staged play on a movie set in Ukraine the other day, which looked like Disney World. Some of the photos at the end of it, or he probably announced it before, but he gave uh, uh, Ukraine. He told Zelensky, "You know what? We're going to give you another five hundred billion, five hundred million dollars." Which I have to say, Ukraine must have been pretty insulted by anything less than a billion at this point, like spitting in their face. It's, it's like going on a first date. And going to Ruth's Crest, and then right, being you, don't like, start, you know what, baby? You don't start there. <laughs> you know what, baby? We're gonna we're gonna go to uh, we're gonna go to Golden Corral right. for the second date. You, you got to start at Golden Corral, and you yeah, can then slowly work start, your way up. Because Golden Corral is is middle class fancy. Like, yeah. we you got to start there, and you could only go up for there. Right, Golden Corral, which probably took a major hit during the pandemic because of the the bar the it's like all you can eat at golden crown right yeah <laughs> i used to love golden Crown. the one that was near us actually um it was here and open because we moved here march 2020 
and now it, it was bulldozed and it's now an Aldi. So yeah, I don't think they did well. Yeah, that's where you used to also be able to find every old person after church on Sunday there in the Piccadilly. Yeah, well, it, okay, so I'm so happy you said Piccadilly because I make Piccadilly jokes because I'm from the South. I yeah. didn't realize that was mostly a Southern thing. And so, like, when I've made jokes about, like, I have a friend who goes to bed at, like, 9 p.m., and I was like, did you get did you get the buffet at Piccadilly? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I don't know what that is. And I'm like, Morrison's? He's like, no. And I'm like, what do you, where do you go? Where do old people go? Denny's? You, do I have to say yeah. Denny's to make this joke? only Southern as well. I had no idea. Yeah. I, Piccadilly jokes don't work. So... <laughs> That is good to know. Gotta stay in the South. Piccadilly, you can look it up if you guys aren't from the South. All right, so (laughs) back to this chick here who's talking from the U.S. perspective, and she talks, and I think a lot of people are going to relate to this. She talks about how Americans feel about long wars, you know? And I think she actually reveals how to defeat these people in the process. That... um, over time, he was looking at Americans. I suspect it's true far beyond the United States that as the longer that wars go on, the more that they lose domestic support. And that's shown in Vietnam, well, that's shown in Afghanistan. These are not all the same conflicts by any stretch of the imagination. But on this dimension of public support, it you lose public support the longer you're in a war. So part of what uh, President Biden is trying to do for multiple reasons, only one of them is about the domestic audience, is to shore up that support. And I think what we saw at Munich, what we heard at Munich, what we all know is that absent momentum, um, it's going to be hard to um, to get the kind of uh, successes on the ground that will sustain popular support and infuse that through um, Congress. But to your specific question about what happens as the U.S. moves into, we're still a little ways off, but a year from now, we're not going to be very far off. We're going to be in an, an election season, which is very hard to imagine. But boy, is it going to look radically different in the U.S., the nature of political debate. And uh, it's, I mean, I hate to say it, but it does seem very likely that um, partisanship around U.S. spending and its impacts and its successes and what is Europe doing and has Europe stayed the course? Has Europe stayed united? Has Europe paid its share? No. I think that that debate is going to be fundamentally yeah. different if we meet again um, in one year's time. If the war's still going well, on, is what she's saying. Are they, they meet again? So, are they? Is she saying that they are actually are paying more? Is that what's changing in the debate, or what? Well, I think what's changing is that's going to be the debate. Is Trump? That's is the one that was the debate. That, that was the debate in 2016. Right, but then so it's, it's not, not changing. Debate. Yeah, but see, they don't want that to be the debate. They they want the debate to be is just give Ukraine money because they need to defeat this because they're fighting on the front lines of democracy worldwide. And, and she's absolutely right about Americans not, and probably not just Americans. Lots of people around the world don't like. Most people don't like war in general. Okay, Uh, they are the ones that like war and and these elongated wars people definitely don't like and they their messaging loses its ability. The propaganda is the effectiveness goes down uh, the longer their the war goes on. And so that tells me that the one of the main ways you beat these people is with anti-war messaging, which is something that you would think Democrats would be completely on board with if they're not completely just mind controlled with it. And I think a lot of them actually are. I, I think their messaging is already weakening because of the length uh, of this war. And so I, I honestly, I, 
I think if well, you can call somebody a Nazi who's an anti, who's preaching anti-war, I just don't know how you can believe that. And that seems to be their tactic. And she needs to button her call, blouse up, by the way. <laughs> they call everyone who is anti-war a Nazi. Right. Like that is, but, that yeah, is yeah. very common at this point. Alex Jones, not for the wars, Nazi. Right. Scott Horton, not for the wars, obviously a Nazi. Like what everyone, but I'm not for the war. If they, if they call me a Nazi, then send me that multi-billion dollar weapons package because that's what we do to Nazis is we give them money if they're in Ukraine. I'm not going to Ukraine by any stretch of the imagination. Well, and, and that's what's funny is they're kind of right. Longer wars lose um, you know, popular support, but we're, she's Vietnam didn't lose support because it was long. It lost support Afghanistan lost support <laughs> because it was long, but that was 20 years, yeah. right? Vietnam wasn't 20 years. Not It was not the same as Afghanistan. People love a wartime president, though. Because the, in the rem- beginning, anyway. If a crisis remember happens. The, remember the Gulf, the, the first Gulf War, the, uh, yeah, the Operation the, Desert Storm. Is that the one where the babies and in incubators propaganda was? The, yeah, yeah, right. And, and so the Kuwait um, deal. And George H.W. Bush gave you a short war. But what he realized is that people don't love long wars, but they love wartime presidents, and you don't get elected unless there's a war going on. You don't get reelected. Yes, totally. So let me see what clip we got here and see what Wilkes. I'm going to save a few of these for the XR. And Okay, I'm going to save the rest of these clips for the XR. What I'm going to do to close out this subject is I'm going to skip to... uh, I'm going to show you, and for those listening, uh, you'll have to go to the the video somewhere. The the video is on YouTube, so if you want to check it out. I'm going to show you what uh, a face tattoo of a vagina looks like. Have you ever seen one of these, Cam? I, I have not. I'm thinking of getting one, but... Well, now you're going to know how it's actually going to look here. The headline. This is a new uh, from the New York Post. It is. I don't know if you could tell though. I do like tattoos. Yes, I know you do. That's why I was showing you this because I was wondering if maybe you were considering it. Headline is: I got a vagina tattoo inked on my face. The artist tried to talk me out of it. And before I show you that, if you guys do want to get access to the XR, where we will finish up with uh, these clips, which they they say some extraordinary things that talk about secret backroom deals and how they even don't trust each other, uh, then you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report, subscribe there today. And let's get this up there on screen. Here we go. All right. So you see the headline there, Kim, and scroll down a little bit. Oh, well, it's blocked out, but we're going to go to the part that's not, not blocked. A veteran tattoo artist, Michael Ralph, inked an image of a vagina across a young client's cheek. The customer has been slammed on social media. Slammed. It's interesting language there. (laughs) (laughs) Permanent vagina facial? Yep. Permanent vagina facial. It can be interpreted in many ways, I think. And where's the image? Oh, there it is. There it is. Can you see that? Let me see if I can. Yeah, I can. Why would you do that? This is going to get taken off of YouTube, bro. (laughs) Uh, Look at that. This person has that on the. I hope that person doesn't go to prison. Maybe I mean, that's can you imagine goal. what will happen to this person in prison? That is awful. I mean, part of me feels bad for him, but the fact that he was urged not to get it, I'm like, dude, bro, what are you doing? I mean, well, it looks- it's, 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 
which it's 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 realistic. It's almost hyper realistic, but it, right. it also like the 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 background to the left and to the right do not make it look okay. So that it's brings like an optical it optical illusion three D. Yeah. Yes, but yes. it makes it look like it's been sliced off rather than it's like connected. If that makes sense, it it, it, it just is. looks like it's hanging there from his from his uh, uh it, thing. It's his he mutton also, chops. He also grew called? it where it's also where his sideburns are, so he can like grow hair on it and stuff like that. So that's <laughs> something he can look. Forward oh, geez, to. you're not yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's like this this tattoo artist was like I don't do you, I don't think you should get this tattoo but then when the guy said he's going to get it that tattoo artist went on to do the best most detailed tattoo he'd ever done in his life with this piece of work here this guy should be in a museum and have climate activists throwing you know peanut butter or smearing peanut butter on him or something with this piece of art it was extraordinary like so if you were if you're applying for a job as this guy you have to look one way the entire time I think oh, you're not getting the uh, job. Uh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm a very responsible person who never does anything stupid. Yeah. Could yeah, you look right. at me full on? Right. Although yeah, if he did, could. if he applied to the white house, he'd probably get hired along with the guy in the dog suit. Only if he and, put on a dress first. Right. And if he goes and steals luggage or something like that, then they'll definitely welcome him in. <sighs> All right. So we're going to continue. I, this. But seriously, it looks like it's hanging from his face. It's, that's it's, that's that's the that's the real sticking point. I, I it, it's it's bl- like the top even looks blended as if it's supposed to be hanging. Yeah. Like if he did right. this, I feel like it would go. <laughs> yeah, it's the real sticking point. Yes, of course. It's 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 an amazing work of art. It, it, impressive. I feel bad for the guy, but man, I'm sure they'll be able to laser it off uh, one way or another. Hopefully. And uh, with that childish story, we'll take the this into the DMB XR and continue with these clips. Thank you, Cam, for joining me and helping out. Thank you, guys, in the chats, and uh, we will continue for those on Rockfin, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day at FreedomActRadio.com or at FreedomActRadio on Twitter, Cam. You want to promote anything before you hit the music? Add him, Carlos, on Twitter. That's (laughs) all I'm good for. All right.